step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, yeah! You already know what time it is. It's that official time. When we take this worldwide. So now it's time to turn it up Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up We all up in your area like landscape Definitely bringing you the power slamming pancakes It's the mandate that you tune in It's time to move out so we can move in And recognize that this is no illusion I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion It all started off in the book of Genesis When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him He touched his hip but he really could have devoured him and from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game, so now we gotta change lanes. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. Listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page Crave Wrestling. Episode 229, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Pancakes and Power Slam show. We are live and living, coming, getting funky like a monkey, if you will. I am your host, Chris Featherstone. As always, every week we have fun, we talk wrestling, we have awesome interviews, so we have a lot to talk about today. So without further ado, we're going to get right into it, ladies and gentlemen. I am pleased to announce this week's uh, featured Featured guest for tonight, this feature interview for tonight, this is a former WWE Tag Team Champion. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce the man, the man of OV, the prince of Ohio Valley Wrestling, none other than Doug Basham. How are you tonight, sir? It is out. I am great, and it is a pleasure to be a part of episode 229. How are you, yes, Chris? Sir. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. You know, it's so funny um, when I when I just really look around and think about the the guests that I want on my show. I'm like, you know what? I, I, there's there's kind of uh, like two or three type of 
guests that I like on my show. And one of, one of this, the, the the type of guests that I like on my show are the people who made a name for themselves in the WWE. And I like the where they now type of people who made a, a, an impact in the WWE and haven't been there for a while. And I'm just interested in what they're doing nowadays. So be, let, let's let's go backwards. We're, we're going to give your, you know, we're, we're going to we're going to go backwards this week. What is Doug Basham doing these days? I usually ask people uh, who I interview uh, throughout at the end of the interview. But let's just let's just go the reverse route. What what are you doing nowadays? Well, you want to go in reverse route, and in order for me to go in reverse, I've got to go fast forward to bring you up to exactly what I'm doing now. So kind of a quid pro quo as so to speak i guess mm-hmm. um before i even got into wrestling chris and everybody out there uh listening to power slam it's, it's pancakes, pancakes and power and slams right? that's an excellent excellent title by the way thank um, you man <laughs> <laughs> clever in order for me to go backwards i gotta go forwards um before i even got into wrestling man i was going to college at indiana university and i wanted to be a doctor Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does one go from wanting to be a doctor to being a wrestler? Um, so <laughs> I told you I wanted to be, right? I mean, you should have heard that uh, discussion I had with my dad when I told him I didn't want to go to school anymore to be a doctor. I wanted to be a professional wrestler. Wow. <laughs> not not good, man. Not good. Yeah. But uh, I say that to tell everybody out there who has a dream of wanting to be something that maybe their parents don't want them to be. If you have a dream, and as long as you're focused and you have uh, you put everything you have into it and you don't take no for an answer, you will succeed, man. And mm-hmm. that's what I did. Um, I, I know you, anna- you, you announced me in an epic proportion. I appreciate that. Uh, two-time WWE Tag Team Champion, multiple-time OVW Tag Team Champion, and yep. even more multiple-time... Uh, OVW uh, heavyweight champion. So all of that is is quite a resume when it comes to wrestling. Very proud of my um, uh, accomplishments. Very proud of my career. Um, But as everybody knows, uh, when it comes to a professional um, uh, professional sports, wrestling is a sport in my eyes, sports entertainment. Mm -hmm. Your career is is not very long-lived. So um, you, you got to have a backup plan. And my backup plan, you know, was to use my college education um, after I got finished with my professional career if I did not, you know, continue on with it. So um, my first love and my first passion was the medical field of some sorts before I got into wrestling with a dramatic field. And when I was finished with wrestling, when I finally retired at the age of 39, um, I got back. I started to use my education, got back into the medical field. And now um, I am in uh, medical sales, the medical sales field. And uh, I have a great career. I love what I do, uh, dealing with uh, professionals, uh, doctors, nurses, uh, MAs. (laughs) office managers, people in, in the medical field, and uh, loving life, man, doing well. And uh, I have a great career making uh, 
making ends meet and doing what I do. Fantastic, man. It's it's great to hear stories like that. It really is. I've I've been a fan. Um I think I think I'm ten years younger than you are. Uh so I've been a fan uh and, and oh, you're a young man. Young man. I am. I am. Ten ten years <laughs> isn't too big of a difference. Uh, I, I <laughs> that's not a huge difference. I have close friends your age. So <laughs> uh and I, and I It is uh, when you're on the wrong end of the ten years, brother. It is. Yeah, it is, it is. But I, I have I have close friends ten years younger and I have close friends uh, over over ten years older actually. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I, my thing is, man, I, I learned how to, uh, acquire wisdom from people younger and older. And, um, you know, I'm just a sponge when it comes to, uh, uh, just acquiring wisdom from, from people, people have life experiences and, you know, you could be 10 years younger or 10 years older, but, you know, life probably didn't, uh, prop, you know, a lot of times life doesn't put that same number as your age does as far as experience and what you've been through. So, uh, I've, I've learned that, uh, in my 35 years of living, but yeah, I, you know, and, and I, and I really love, I love those stories though, Doug, because I've, I've interviewed a lot of people on my show and almost four and a half years and my show has been, uh, run up and running and, you know, it's, it, it's tough. I, I've been a wrestling fan all my life, and it's really, really tough to see uh, people who are, you know, uh, double my age, you know, still out there, you know, still basically limping out to the ring um, and making pennies on a dollar um, because there's because there's no out route. And, you know, it's it's really good to see you know, for you, there was an out route, you know, you did retire in your thirties, you're not still wrestling in in your seventies, um, you know, because, because there's nothing else. And it's, and I I commend you for that. It's, it's really good to hear that. Well, I appreciate that, Chris. And I have to make a correction. I heard you say you were 35 and Mm -hmm. then you said you were 10 years younger than me. I'm 44. So that's, you're nine years younger than me. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) A year. Yeah, so nine years. So, so that so that improves my point even more. You know, that's it's not uh, it's even less of a difference in age. So, I just had to throw that in there, man. But I appreciate the compliments, and yeah, and I'll tell you what, uh, I will say this. Um, in, in speaking, uh, I think I'm speaking um, for all of us um, professional wrestlers that have to try to assimilate into. Um, society after wrestling it is one of the hardest things um to do and it was one of the hardest challenges in my life mm-hmm. to after wrestling assimilate back into uh normal i don't want to say normal uh back into society and get a you know uh try and uh, the word is assimilate into another career after doing what we did because mm-hmm. a lot of us don't really want to do anything else because that was our passion. And right. um, I, I, I can only speak for myself. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a challenge to get to where I am today. Um, at 39, 44, let's see, four, you know, six years later, seven years later, doing what I do now, um, thinking that, you know, Hey, I was a, WWE superstar, you know, I was on mm-hmm. TV and I've traveled the world and 
I've made tons, tons of money. Um, don't you know who I am? You know who I am. <laughs> I had to, I had to uh, get over that real quick. Whenever I got out into the uh, normal, out into the real world, because people they didn't mm-hmm. care. Um, right. And you know, I had to be a account executive for the company that I worked for. I had to be a district sales manager for the company I worked for. I had a boss. I had a boss that didn't give a didn't give two cents who I was. He just cared what I could do and the numbers. It's all about numbers. It was, it was a very, it was a huge challenge. Um, and it was very difficult for me to make that, um, transition from being somebody who uh, was on TV and, you know, was selfish, self-centered, you know, to being somebody mm-hmm. who had to give to be a taker. You had to be a giver. Um, and I don't mean that in bad sense and anybody that's in our business because um, everybody's going to go through that whether they uh, want to admit it or not. Yeah. And then in that life, in, in, after, in that afterlife, there, there is life after wrestling. And one of the most important things I think is um, if you've got a partner in life that, is, that will stand beside you, um, talking about, you know, you know the, the woman who is your strength, uh, that is something that's very important uh, that one needs to find. And uh, I believe I've found that. So uh, I'm good, man. Awesome. That's awesome, man. Speaking of that, it's my wife's birthday today. So, oh, congratulations, to... man. <laughs> yeah, it's glad that you uh, – it's, it's very interesting as you brought that up, yeah. Uh, life after wrestling, it, it's it's really um, – you make some really, really good points. I mean, I, I definitely really – I uh, think that, uh, you know, just you're exuding wisdom when it comes to a mindset of, of, of after wrestling. And I just think, I think everybody in wrestling should create an out route. I, I mean, I really appreciate people like the rock, you know, who, who really found so much in acting and then, you know, even John Cena, you know, he's uh, doing a lot of things out outside of, uh, of wrestling now. And it's just really good. So let's, uh, let's, let's talk about your time in wrestling. So, so I called you the All Prince right. of OVW. And, uh, uh, you know, the reason why I do that is because of the accolades that you, that you were, were talking about. I mean, you, you've been multi-time heavyweight champion in OVW, multi-time tag team champion. If I'm not mistaken, uh, you're the nephew of uh, the former owner, da- Danny Davis, correct? That is correct. Yeah. So was it, because a lot of times I hear that when uh, uh, prominent or authority figures or executives in a company, when they, you know, have a family that, who are a part of the company, they there's an extra level of pressure that's put on family members. Did you feel that way in OBW? A, a little bit. Um, uh, I felt like, you know, it's a very interesting story about um, Danny Davis and, and Doug Basham of a lot of people don't know, and actually, I want to share it with you from day one, um, all the way through my career. If uh, we have, I don't know how much time we have, but I'll try and keep it short. Um, Danny, Danny Davis, uh, my aunt met uh, my aunt, which is my father's sister, met Danny Davis um, and was a professional wrestler when I was going to school to be a to be a doctor. Um, and he opened a school in Louisville, Kentucky, because he was ready to retire and just start get off the road. So he opened a school and he called it the Danny Dave, the nightmare Danny Davis school of professional wrestling. And it was right down there in Portland, uh, in Louisville in a little, um, 
Portland, Kentucky, I guess. In the bad bad streets of Louisville, basically, in a little closet, I'm going to call it, just a, a room big enough to have a ring in. Hot as Hades, man. It was so hot in there. But, you know, an excellent place to learn how to wrestle. And I was working at Jewish Hospital as a pretty much a gopher. Um, I worked in the center of all the operating rooms, and they would call in when they needed supplies, and I would run it to the uh, surgery to the operating rooms because I was wanting to be a doctor. I was wanting to be a surgeon actually. And um, he opened his school and I wanted, and I've always wanted to learn how to wrestle. I've always been a wrestling fan since I was, since I came out of mama's womb, you know, and he had the school. It was only like five minutes away from the hospital. And one day um, I called my aunt and said, Hey, I'd love to go down there and check out the school and see Danny and the, and the, the, the uh, people training and she set it up and I went down there and he, he welcomed me with open arms and had me get in the ring. I wasn't prepared. But he said, get in the ring. Let's do this and that. And man, let me tell you, he had me hitting the ropes and hitting the turnbuckles on the very first day. It hurt like heck, man. I'm telling you, it. you think hitting the ropes and hitting these turnbuckles would be soft and it wouldn't hurt. Man, I was mm-hmm. so sore the next day. I could not move. I couldn't get out of bed but wow. I, I loved it man I was like oh my god I'm, I'm sick and twisted because I, I love this pain I love this feeling so um, I went back I asked if I could come back the next week and he, he stepped it up on me and had me doing uh, body taking body slams and hip tosses and mm-hmm. Chris, Chris I took to it like a duck to water it just <laughs> came natural to me nice. I, surpa- I surpassed everybody in that wrestling class and within one month I was doing more and more advanced than people that had been there for two and three months mm-hmm. and then I just accelerated from there man and just took off and uh, wow. then Danny wanted to uh, he moved from Louisville over to Indiana on in the quadrangle um, anybody who's listening in the area they'll know exactly what I'm talking about on a street called uh, Watt Street it's a place just a little bit bigger than what we had, had a ring in there and he started doing shows and he called it the nightmare Danny Davis school of professional wrestling. And he had this dream that he wanted to have his own TV show with Ohio Valley championship wrestling and have his own group and traveling and, and be like a miniature USWA. I don't know if any, but you remember the old USWA by chance? Oh yeah. Lawler and, oh yeah. yeah. Percy Pringle and Austin oh, yeah. Idol. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. all, all the great came through Memphis, you know, and mm-hmm. he wanted to have, um, oh yeah. <laughs> Did you see who who was that? Did I hear you right? Eric Embry. Eric Embry, the yeah, great. he was all yeah, the he, great. Yeah, he was one. He, he was one. <laughs> he was one. Of the, I remember USW, of course. Uh, Jerry Lawler and uh, and and. And Brian uh, Brian Christopher was uh you know he he pushed his son pretty Brian heavy in the USWA. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the greats came through there, man. Everybody, mm-hmm. Vicious, uh, the, the Undertaker. Yep. Um, a lot of people who Jeff came Jarrett. who are Jeff Jarrett, Double J, yeah. A lot of people who were uh, went on to the WWE came through the USWA. Uh, Doug Basham, of course, I was mm-hmm. 165 pounds wet. Skinny and scrawny when I was there, but still I was there. Um, so 
you know, and, and went on and, and became, I became the uh, Danny Davis's nephew, who was kind of like the uh, poster child of Ohio Valley wrestling, so to speak. And then uh, we grew from there. And then I took a hiatus because wrestling wasn't paying the bills. I had to, uh, I had to, I had to get a, I had to get a job. So I got a job at Ford. I had an opportunity to work for Ford Motor Company on the assembly line, and I wasn't able to do the TV shows anymore. And I was only um, able to do weekend wrestling and home my crap on the weekends, which is what everybody does, you know. Mm-hmm. Who's trying to make it to the WWE? You work on Friday nights and Saturday nights in different cities. Uh, that you could travel to within two and three and four um, hours away. So a lot of time went by, and I was kind of gone from the TV show when Ohio Valley started a TV show when Jim Cornette came came to town and and, and started writing TV shows when WWE um, made Ohio Valley Wrestling the uh, developmental territory for um, their uh, for, for the WWE which they brought all their young developing talent there. And then I was able to uh, get, I was able to work things out to where I could do TV shows because TV, TVs were on Wednesday nights in Jeffersonville. And um, a lot of the guys who I was in WW or I was in Ohio Valley with Nick Densmore, Rob Conway, the damage Danny Holly, who was AKA Danny Basham, my partner mm-hmm. in WWE. Um, all these guys were starting to get developmental contracts, and I was wanting to get one myself so I could quit Ford and chase my dream as a wrestler. And um, it just so happened uh, it took me longer to get a developmental contract because I was working uh, for Ford Motor Company and wasn't able to devote 100% of my time. Danny Davis and Jim Cornette um, – shine the light on me in OVW. Um, I developed this character called Machine where I was under a mask and came in as a disgruntled uh, nephew of Danny Davis and the storyline was awesome that Jim Cornette wrote, man. He, he's just brilliant. Um, developed a story to where Machine hired Hitman to take out Nick Dinsmore and Rob Conway and all the originals who were there before me or who they're with me. Um, and I tried to take them out to try to get to Danny Davis. The storyline was just great. It was so well written. And it was probably, Chris, it was probably the best years of my life in wrestling. The most mm. fun. The most the most creative. And it's it's the time of my wrestling career that I will always cherish and remember. Wow. That's that's pretty awesome, and in, and of course the, your your popularity in Ohio Valley led you to uh, get called up to the main roster, and it didn't take you and uh, Danny long uh, to become tag team champions. Now, one the one interesting thing that I always wondered is how in the world uh, did the did the formation of the Basham brothers. And Shaniqua happened. How did that come about? I mean, I know that uh, you know she was pivotal and tough enough at that, you know, that around that time. And right. you know, I, I I understood that. Was it a matter of just trying to find something for her on behalf of Tough Enough? How was the discussions in the back, and how did she come about as being your manager? It's a very interesting story, Chris. And I, I'm I'm 
been waiting to be able to get this out there on the airwaves for anybody because nobody really knows how she got with us because mm-hmm. nobody ever said. But when me and Danny got called up to WWE, um, we were sitting and catering at a table. They, they had no clue what they were going to do with us. We went up and did some dark matches and, and had some great matches because me and Danny were very in tune with one another. We were a very good team because me and Danny, we, we believed in the same thing. We worked the same way and we had the same thoughts. We were so good together. We didn't have to talk. We could look at one another and give like an eye signal or move our head or just point and we would know exactly what each other meant. That's mm-hmm. how good we were together. Um, so we were sitting in catering one day and we were supposed to debut, um, against, uh, Rikishi and Brian Kendrick in Pensacola, Florida. And they came up to us. They had no clue what they were going to do with us. They just knew we were going to debut. So, you know, we're sitting there going, okay, we're supposed to wrestle Rikishi and, uh, Brian Kendrick. What are we going to do? But, uh, Johnny Laurinaitis came to us with, the idea of we were going to be called the Basham brothers. I loved it. I said, that is a great idea. Danny's like, Oh God. <laughs> Cause his last because, name you know, isn't Basham, but yours is <laughs> right. You know, uh, Doug Basham. I love it. So I got to keep my whole original name, which was great. And he was the damage of Danny Holly was his real name. And then he had to go under Danny Basham. And the, the irony of the whole Danny Basham thing is my real biological brother's name is Danny, Danny Basham. That's, oh, wow. that's how funny that is. So uh, he, was, he always made a joke that he never got royalties from um, us using his name, which is funny. But, <laughs> but uh, so that day uh, we were the Basham brothers, and because they wanted us to you know, push us off as twins because we both had bald head, we were similar build. We wore black leather pleather pants and we looked you know like a couple of hard-nosed biker dudes well Mm -hmm. one of the writers got this he he saw uh, who was it that he watched i think it was uh britney spears did some sort of s&m get up on one of her on one of her concerts something like that that he saw and he saw linda miles and said oh my gosh i have a great idea Let's put Linda Miles with the Basham brothers and have her be a dominatrix and her and them to be her um, pets. Mm-hmm. So that's where it was, it was some idea, some scrawny little writer had for WWE because he saw a Britney Spears concert. Wow. Do you remember who the writer was? I, I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I really, really don't. That's how much of an impact he made on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, wow. But Linda Miles, she was an impressive specimen. I mean, she was about six foot tall. She was shredded. And she was, uh, she played basketball for Rutgers. She was mm-hmm. an athlete. And, you know, she was, she was quite a specimen. And we did yeah. the best we could to make it work. Yeah, I mean, you know, you guys got a pretty decent push from it. You know, I, I thought it was uh, very interesting. I thought it was a very interesting pairing and presentation, but uh, it, it worked. You know, you guys got pretty good heat. But for some reason, you guys got sent back to Ohio Valley. Why was that the case? Well, Vince McMahon and Stephanie McMahon 
said that we got the wrong kind of heat mm-hmm. with the gimmick, with the whole um, gimmick, that it was kind of a, Vince McMahon said it was a sick kind of heat. Because, you know, we researched S&M because that's what they wanted us to be. We, we, we researched bondage and all that sick crap. Mm-hmm. And we tried it. We brought it to the stage. That's what they wanted. And he said, Vincent Band, believe it or not, said that's the wrong kind of heat. That's sick. And then they kind of squashed it and mm-hmm. pushed us, you know, pushed us away, forgot about us for a while before they brought us back uh, with JBL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, Interesting, and you guys did very well with the cabinet too. So it was def- definitely an opportunity, another opportunity to to really get to, uh, a pretty decent push. I just out of curiosity, there's a there's a, uh, a, a trio uh, going uh, by the cabinet now in the Ring of Honor, uh, and that is uh, Caprice Coleman. I interviewed him on my show a few years ago, and then. Um, uh, Red Titus and Kenny King, the All Night Express, they're going by the cabinet too. And you know, it's so funny when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about you know, you, uh, and, and thinking about JBL and Danny uh, and the cabinet members. That was a very good time, uh, for WWE. They, they really took that, especially JBL's gimmick, and they really did a very fine job with that. I, I agree with you, you know, and, and JBL, um, I he was so underrated and people said he wasn't a good wrestler and all that, but that guy was a genius. He really was. And Mm -hmm. he, he generated so much heat with the crowd and he was a champion for so long and people would come to the arenas and people would watch the pay-per-views just to see JBL get his butt kicked. Mm -hmm. And you could feel, and Chris, it was amazing. You could, even though wrestling is predetermined, but you could feel the hatred and the anger when you walked out there with JBL because he was so good at taunting the crowd. He was so good at what he did. He was so good at cutting promos. He was so good on the fly, man. I learned a lot from that man. And mm-hmm. the, the most, there, there was only one time in my whole life in professional wrestling when I walked into an arena that I was actually um, on uh, DEFCON 5, man. I was on, uh, what, what is it, with Code Orange, Code Red, whatever, is with the ECW pay-per-view in, in New York. JBL had generated so much heat with that crowd, I was worried that I was going to get uh, stabbed or, or hit, shanked, mm-hmm. or whatever when we were walking through the crowd. So, um that man was very good at doing what he did. And I was very, very lucky and very thankful to be a part of the cabinet and a part of that era. Mm-hmm. Does it offend you at all that that, uh, that name's uh, used now? Not at all, man. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's actually, uh, uh, what do you want to, I want to say, what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, flattering. Flattering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the context is different too. They're more of a presidential thing. They're kind of uh, taking advantage of uh, the, the political season, and you all were more of a bureaucracy type of executive, you know, type of uh, type of deal. It was, it was pretty great. So you know, the cabinet uh, kind of uh, 
distanced itself and kind of uh, faded away, and uh, you, you became you and Danny became uh, Paul Heyman's security enforcers. What was the idea behind that? Uh, I, I think what it was, Paul Heyman asked for us to be a part of his his team, um, and they put us under the hoods just because uh, they didn't want you know our faces to be seen. Mm-hmm. And we were a good tag team. And basically, they really just didn't know what, what else to do with us. And um, after the cat, after the enforcers, Vince McMahon came to me and Danny and said that he wanted me and Danny because they, they were about ready to do the uh, lottery. And they were going to split me and Danny up. Danny was going to go raw. I was going to stay on SmackDown. And uh, it was pre-planned that I was going to, you know, in a tag team, usually when they split split two guys up, one guy goes on. They hope that both guys can go on and make them money, but usually one guy goes on, they give a push to, and the other guy just kind of fades away. Yeah, I call it the genetic well, treatment. Yeah, well, the one guy that was supposed to get the push was me, and mm-hmm. I, didn't, uh, I didn't deliver. So, you know, and Danny was, unfortunately, Danny was, you know, if he pushed through and broke the ceiling, they were they would give him a push, but uh, I don't think they were really going to do anything with him. Mm. And then you went to uh, TNA not uh, not too far after that, but uh, the TNA run was very short lived. Why was that? I don't really hundred percent know why it was short lived. The only thing I can think of was that um, me and Danny just didn't make the cut. We just didn't fit the bill for TNA, and um, maybe we ticked off certain people, and uh, maybe they didn't speak too highly about us. So mm-hmm. that's about all I can think of when it comes to TNA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's uh, so that's pretty much uh, pretty much your your career in in a nutshell, man. It's it's uh, it's great. I mean, it's great to be a two time tag team champion. It's it's you know those accolades don't come, you know, uh, for everyone. And, and, you know, I think that, uh, you as, as Doug Basham, especially in Ohio Valley wrestling, and then you had uh, some very prominent roles in WWE. I think you did. I think you did well. And I think you do. I think you said, I think you said it very well as far as just being thankful for your time spent, uh, in OVW and, and specifically WWE and, um, having the opportunity, you know, to become tag team champs. There's been champs, there's been tag teams that were tag teams for, you know, a good portion of their career who never won the, the WWE Tag Team Championship. So, you know, the Bushwhackers, I, I interviewed a Bushwhacker Luke uh, not too long ago, and the Bushwhackers, the Rockers, you know, the, the very Hall of Fame, you know, tag teams, but you were able to do it. So, you know, I definitely applaud and commend you for that. I appreciate that, man. And like you said, yeah, I was very thankful for the opportunity that I was that was put in front of me. And um, you know, we we did the best we could. Um, I've got great memories. I made some great friends. I traveled all over the world. Very thankful to uh, Danny Davis and Jim Cornette for and, and another guy that not a lot of people don't know, but Rip Rogers, who mm-hmm. uh, actually taught me how to work, taught me how to tell a story in the ring, uh, was Rip Rogers. Um, and very thankful for the opportunity in WWE. I want to say thank you to uh, JBL and The Undertaker for uh, speaking up and giving me, uh, putting a word in for me to give me opportunities. I don't think I've ever 
put that out on the airwaves, but I'm 44 years old now, so it doesn't matter what I say. Because <laughs> um, I'm not going back to wrestling. I'm totally retired. Just you know, want to thank those two guys specifically for helping me out personally, and also helping me and Danny out. Booker T, he, Eddie Guerrero, of course, he's you know rest in peace. Worked with several people. Uh, Billy Gunn, um, would like to thank him. He helped out tremendous. Ray Mysterio. Um, there's several people that I worked with that I was very thankful for that helped me and I couldn't, would not have done and been and I achieved the things that I achieved. It wasn't for the other guys on the other side of the ring because you're only as good as the guy you're in there with. And yeah. um, the opportunity that I was given, you know, I was very blessed. There's hundreds of thousands of guys who want to be in the WWE that's not going to make it, that won't make it, that haven't make it. Um, and I was blessed enough to be there and I'm very thankful for that. Fantastic. So do you have, are you on social media? Where can we find you? Where can the fans uh, keep in contact? Well, I'm I'm on Facebook, but um, I've toned down my Facebook and kept it just for family and friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I don't really get into social media that much anymore. Uh, I try to keep my life private. I'm trying to move on uh, with a certain special someone in my life and uh, keep it, you know, keep it kind of private. <laughs> wow, that's uh best wishes to you, man. Uh, and thanks for uh coming on my show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Hey, Chris, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for the opportunity for uh me getting my story out there and and saying some thanks to people that I've never really had the opportunity to say thanks for and hopefully that um people listened and heard and uh very thankful for all those fans out there who were supportive over the years and uh I still today I get some actually uh some people still send me um fan letters and um uh, I get uh, fans sending me um trading cards to sign and I mm-hmm. sign them and send them back. You know, they they send self addressed envelopes, I'll sign them and send them back to people. It doesn't happen as much as it, it did before, but every now and then somehow, some way these letters find it by mailbox and um, I'm very appreciative of the fans because without them, man, I would have never been able to do or, uh, you know, I would have never received a paycheck if it wasn't for the fans. So they're they're the they're the biggest superstars when it comes to wrestling. Wow, greatly appreciated, man. It was such a pleasure to have you on my show and uh, some awesome stories. And and you know, I always I always try to. And I know a lot in the wrestling business. I've been a journalist for quite some time now, and uh, it, it it just there's something about uh, receiving information that I don't know that's just so amazing to me. And just to, you know, the people who went to bat for you, and just the things that you shared tonight was definitely uh, something that um, I'm glad that I know now. Uh, speaking with you, and I'm sure the fans can say the same. Well, I hope so, man. I hope everybody was uh, got some. Uh, good juice or got some information or, or learned something that, that they didn't know. And uh, I really appreciate the opportunity, man. Thanks for having me on your show. Two, two, nine. My pleasure. My pleasure. Have a good evening, man. You too, bud. Thanks, Chris. Have a good one. You too. Ladies and gentlemen, fantastic, fantastic interview from former two-time WWE tag team champion, Doug Basham. Without further ado, let's get into this go home SummerSlam edition with the guest co-host for this evening, writer uh, for WrestleZone.com, none other than Bill Pritchard. How are you tonight, sir? 
Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. It's it's great. It's great. How how you how are you doing? I'm good. I just finished watching SmackDown tonight. Enjoyed that and enjoyed listening to Doug's interview. It was really informative. Yeah, it, it sure was. I, I totally agree. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, let's get to the. Ladies and gentlemen, like we have been doing every week since the inception, let's go with the let's start with the takeaways of the WWE Cruiserweight Classic. What do you got, Bill? Uh, last week, as I mentioned to you, um, I'm still kind of marking out from the Abushi Alexander match. It was mm-hmm. awesome to see. Um, I've actually been lucky enough to be at the first two tapings, so I, you know, it was just as great watching it back on TV as it was being there um, pretty much the entire night spent yeah. standing up and cheering and it just it's awesome to know that like there's two more rounds and there's the potential for more matches like this and considering how much people are asking for like different styles in WWE this is definitely something if you're not already watching you may want to start now because you're you know you're gonna miss a bunch of really great stuff. Yeah, well said. I, I you know, and I'm a I'm a big traditionalist. Uh, I'm a big fan of storylines and and you know builds and narratives and things like that. But you know, there's an exception to the rule, and in that case is the WWE Cruiserweight Classic. I have thoroughly enjoyed every single week of the Cruiserweight Classic, and I, you know, I, I said this with the Ricochet and Will Ospreay match. You know, there's I always say for every Andre Hogan, there's a uh, Savage Steamboat. What I mean by that in WrestleMania three, you know, the best match was Savage and Steamboat. You know, that's and that's still arguably the best match, you know, in WrestleMania history. But you know, there's there's that match. There's there's those good matches. There's those undercard matches that build up to the main event. And this Cruiserweight Classic, I really hope, and we'll get to Raw here in a minute and in, in, in a little bit. But I really hope that that division and everything that we see in the Cruiserweight Classic, especially matches like Cedric Alexander against Kota Ibushi, which was absolutely phenomenal, hopefully we see that carried over to Raw, because Raw has been a very, it's been painful to watch, and we'll get to that uh, as far as what I think about it. But I really hope that this sparks some interest in Raw, because we've seen it with the ratings. The past two weeks have been the two lowest non-holiday ratings in raw history. So it's been really rough uh, to, to really endure that. Uh, but hopefully the cruiserweight classic uh, brings a spark to raw. I would hope so because this, you know, if it gets somebody to tune in and learn a little bit more about some of these guys that we're watching now, like, you know, and the best part is, is like you mentioned, there's not too many storylines going around in the tournament but there's a lot of personalities that, you know, just through their in-ring work and their mannerisms are coming through. Like, I think one of the guys I learned the most about is uh, Jack Gallagher so far. Like, I was really impressed with him because everybody just, you know, in in the live crowd kind of was like, all right, who's this guy? And by the end of the night, the first round, and then through the second round, like, it was like, all right, you're going to look forward to watching him because he just, like, had the crowd like by the palm, you know, 
it, yeah. it just was really cool seeing, you know, that other side of it for mm-hmm. a live event, you know, just having them work the crowd a little bit and not talk at all. Right. And I do like to, and I, and I agree with that because I, I like the, the video packages that lead into the matches. I think that does a whole lot. And I do like the fact that we are seeing characters, like you said, with Jack Gallagher, um, and just really just the, the pride of the country, like Grand uh, Matalik, we saw, uh, you know, with the really good match against the Jerry last week. And, you know, I think that that really, really helps. So it's it's going to be great. I, I've really enjoyed myself. I'm looking forward to uh, the following weeks. Next, we have TNA announces new president, Billy Corgan. I've uh, listened to interviews with Corgan. He said that, uh, you know, he's really – his goal was to really come into TNA and to make some noise and to be really pivotal and instrumental in the creative process. And we saw, we've seen that with the K um, that's one of his projects. And uh, you know, it's, there's some interest with the K they're, they're one of the most interesting uh, characters in, in TNA, but uh, you know, I'm not going to spoil too much, you know, for the, for the following weeks, but I have seen what's going on and, you know, uh, I don't know if if the decisions made in the following weeks are, are really going to change any type of interest in TNA, and I'm not quite sure that Corgan being president is the way to go, especially with uh, for those who follow who, who watch Resistance Pro Wrestling or, or followed uh, who have any knowledge of Resistance Pro. Um, eh, I, I'm I'm not. I'm not going to be very confident in this new uh, this new presidency as far as uh, Corgan compared to Dixie Carter. There's going to always be the you know that small group of people that are like you know oh lol TNA and not give it a chance and write it off. But I definitely you know like the decay and the final deletion and there's a lot of little things going on that I think week after week people are going to get into, and then you have stuff like Aaron Rex where you know maybe it's a long term thing where they can pull in viewers, but at the same time it might be the luster wears off after a little bit. But I, you know, anything that they want to try to you know get rid of that image that they have, which there's a you know a sizable group of people that want to just be like oh you know like change the name change this change that they're finally changing you know sort of you know the the main person who left that still gets the blame whether it's deserved or not so i think you know if he's going to be putting it putting a lot of work into it you know let's give it a chance like i have read a few of the reports it's kind of hard to avoid working with WrestleZone, but exactly. you know, I, there, are, there are, you know, a lot of things. I, I actually just finished reading one um, because the tapings are ongoing now. Like, I'm interested in the, a lot of stuff that's going on right now. Mm. Some of Man, it seems, yeah. some of it seems yeah. the same, but, you know, there's, I think everybody can kind of pull something at least to try to, you know, if you're on the fence about coming back to watch it, there, there's something there. Yeah, I, I appreciate your optimism, uh, and I've defended TNA for so long, man. I, I remember having conversations with friends of, 
you know, like you said, the LOL TNA. I've had conversations with multiple people, close friends who watch wrestling, who don't want to have anything to do with TNA. And I, I've, you know, for a long time, I was that person. Like, you know, hey, let's. It, there's good quality stuff here, but there's been such a mass exodus of um, just quality names, and you know, and the people who they have. Uh, you know, they just doesn't. Have, they're, they're not making them have enough star power. I mean, like they're trying to push Eddie Edwards up there, and he. I like Eddie Edwards a lot, but you know, they're not really making him a star. They're making Bobby Lassie a star for sure. Uh, and then Jane Storm, he wins the King of the Mountain title, and you know, then he loses it a week later, and you know, and it's just, you know, I think. I think this knee-jerk booking and this knee-jerk creative, uh, I, I really, really was a big fan of uh, the final deletion. Um, but I, I'm not too I'm not too sure about that. It, it, it wasn't a big it, – it doesn't wow me. I mean, unfortunately, TNA does not wow me. Kenny Omega, he defeats a Hiroki Goto to win the G1 Climax Tournament. Uh, he will main event uh, Wrestle Kingdom 11. Come January, as usually the winners of the um, uh, G1 Climax tournament does uh, to become uh, the number one contender of the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Now, Kenny Omega, he's uh, they, they've been doing Japan has been doing a very good job pushing him uh, this year. Of course, we saw uh, earlier in the year when uh, Shinsuke Nakamura left, uh, he was feuding with him and became IWGP Intercontinental Champion. Uh, we saw when uh, AJ left and, you know, he got beat down by the Bullet Club. Um, and so, you know, it, it's – well, he got beat, beat down by the Bullet Club last year. And so they've been really spending some time with Kenny Omega. I think he's a great heel. I uh, like the cleaner gimmick. And uh, it's like uh, there's they've got something going on with, uh, with Omega. And my question to you, Bill, is, you know – the WWE has really spent some time scouting much more nowadays. Uh, how long, if at all? Well, I guess I guess here's my my over under to you. Do you think that Kenny Omega will be in the WWE uh, within three years? Yeah, I think three years is you know a good guess. Mm-hmm. I thought you were, I thought you were going to say by next year. I don't think so because I've read a f- you know a few quotes from him where he said you know he's concentrating on you know his work in Japan right now and you know just you know not that it's not on the radar but I think short term unless you know they came over and were like hey we won this one time only match with you know like a tag match against the New Day where they can kind of play off of that I don't really think it's going to happen anytime soon. Right. Yeah, I agree. And it's good too. I mean, he's, you know, he's one of the hottest talents in Japan right now. And, you know, I I think when it's one of those things where you have to be very, very established in New Japan to really get something from the WWE. Like, you know, for instance, you know, Hideo Itami, he was big in, in Japan, specifically Noah, but he wasn't a, a superstar in Japan. So the WWE knew that he was big, 
So that's why they acquired him and was able to change his name, and he's still in NXT. Same thing with Kota Ibushi. You know, still has the same name, but he's still in NXT. You know, he, he's being scouted. There's been reports saying that uh, they haven't got anything uh, inked in yet. Uh, but, you know, they of course they want, you know, him. He's, still, he's got some NXT dates coming along. But someone like Shinsuke Nakamura it just it would be ridiculous to change his name because he's such a star in Japan uh, you know him and Tanahashi are the two biggest names in Japan and you know i think that Kenny Omega should be that that should be his goal you know to really establish himself in Japan enough where he becomes a, an incredibly hot commodity for WWE they know that they need to have him and he keeps the Kenny Omega name. They don't try to, they don't try to put the WWE stamp on him. I think that would be ideal. Yeah, I think at this point it's, and I, he's kind of alluded to it. Like it's about him proving like what he can do on his own. Because like you mentioned, the names that left before him, and now it's like him at the hit, you know, at the top. Mm-hmm. So I think once he, you know, like once he makes the decision to say like here you know I did all that I came to do like now it's time to move on I don't think mm-hmm. it's going to happen until it's in his head that he's accomplished everything he can yep absolutely Aaron Rex we kind of alluded to this to uh be a little bit ago Aaron Rex uh Damian Sandow debuts with Impact Wrestling he takes jabs at WWE talking about just uh um, not allowing you know him to really express his character, although he went to the back with a lot of ideas, and and so you know of course you you can tell that that was a a bit of a shoot, and there was some reality to that. Uh, just he <laughs> Sandow or Aaron Rex, which I'm not a big fan of the name. Uh, I just don't understand why they didn't keep Aaron Aaron Stevens. But I, you know, I, I can understand where he's coming from because he was one of those people who really took whatever was given to him and he ran with it and he turned it into gold. I mean, he, he really turned crap into gold and and he did a fantastic job and was incredibly over, especially when he was Mizdow and, you know, even he was even, you know, uh, Randy Savage, uh, you know, and, and that worked too. People, people were into that. So he really took the, the the comedic stuff and really made, really became one of the most popular people every time he would come out um, in that ring. And so I don't know if he'll get the steam. I, I just, I just don't see TNA as a powerhouse right now, unfortunately. Uh, and like you, you know, you, you did make some mention to him as far as where they could, what they could do with them, but ho- hopefully he does something. I mean, uh, watching Impact last week, he came out uh, to the stage. You know, when when Lashley um, won, when, when Lashley unified the titles. So you know, maybe they'll do something with that. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully they utilize him well. Yeah, I think the only thing you could hope for is that they don't screw it up really soon. Um, right. I, I've seen a few people make the comparison to like when Christian Cage first went over and mm. it's like that, that was kind of like lightning in a bottle. I don't think you're going to get that with him. Like as much as I like 
Rex Sando, you know, like you said, he turned whatever they gave him into gold. I I don't think just because of that you should, you know, give him the moon push, especially like they're making Lashley a beast. Like I think they should let that go for a very long time and kind of, you know, build somebody else up instead of using an established name in a new place. Like I kind I kind of want to see what he does. I I guess it's like an up. I don't know if you would call him an upper like an upper mid card guy or like you know like where he would be right now because he had the stare down and you know he was more of a comedy guy when he left WWE like I liked the intellectual gimmick I liked his comedic gimmick and it was kind of like he worked those parts of the cards so I want to see him like start there see where it goes and then build him up mm-hmm. yeah I'm just really not sure what they do with him after the initial debut like I, I enjoyed his promo I will say yeah. that I thought he was you know as respectful as he could be to you know the situation before even though mm-hmm. you know everybody was like oh you know like he wasn't he addressed it and said you know this isn't about you you know it's not about WWE it's about me and he explained the side and it kind of moved on so I'm just you know I'm going to be optimistic and see who he faces after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let, let's hope for the best. I think he deserves it. I think he deserves um, to be someone. I think he deserves to have a prominent spot um, in, in the company, in, in TNA. Um, because, like I said, I mean, his WWE resume proves that he can take whatever is given to him and make be, be one of the most popular uh, wrestlers in the entire company. Next, we have Conor McGregor. Uh, he continues his WWE, you know, Twitter tirade. He calls uh, John Cena fat, uh, and, and a fat forty-year-old, something to that nature, and, and, a, and a failed Mister Olympian. Now, okay, so it, it, it really seems that he's doing his best to try to promote UFC, you know, two hundred two. It really seems like that's his goal uh, because it's it's just really sophomoric. It's just really, you know, juvenile, to be honest with you. And, you know, many people know I'm not not a Cena fan by any stretch. But in defense to John Cena, you know, that guy's in, in great shape. And so I just think it's I think it's very petty at this point. Yeah, I'm trying, you know, besides promoting next his next fight, like I'm trying to figure out the end game, you know, right. whether it leads to WrestleMania or not. Like, you know, he the first round of it was like Kurt Angle and Roman Reigns and Ric Flair commented and, you know, now he's calling out like John Cena. Like, you know, it's kind of like, all right, you already went this far, like, and – you got the reaction. Are you going to keep going with it? Like, are you just going to like call anybody out and see what sticks? Like, I mean, that part's like that, you know, like a little interesting, but I think the, the cheap shots, you know, they're obvious for what they are just trying to drum up interest in himself or the fight. Right. Exactly. And the following we have Sonny and Brick Adams that having a social media war over uh pregnancy picks and, 
uh, I read the Instagram, the long Instagram post from uh, Brooke, and uh, it, it, she was pretty offended. And then Sonny, you know, uh, he, she uh, she responded, and then Brooke said something again. And it's just basically over just uh, a pregnancy picture that she had uh, that she she posted on Instagram. You know what? I read all of it together, and I just, you know, Brooke was straight to the point, you know, explained her situation, and for those that don't know, she, it's not like she did it one time, and it was where this started, like, throughout her whole pregnancy, she's been pretty open about it, posting pictures, mm-hmm. you know, what she's going through, you know, and she did say, you know, I, you know, like, I'm not going to usually go to this level, but you know, this is the one time I'm going to talk about it. She made her point and brought up the fact that Sonny was wave, basically waving the Hall of Fame ring. Like, you know, it put her on another level. And that's kind of the first thing I thought of is like, you tr- you know, like you heard the reports, like she tried selling it and she didn't want to be associated. And it's like the flip-flopping with that kind of loses credibility. And then, you know, good for Brooke for speaking up for herself and for other moms and, you know, even just people with body issues. Like, you know, I thought she did a great job with it. And if anybody at least gets a little confidence from her speaking up or just, you know, seeing how she presents herself, you know, that's awesome. And, you know, I kind of just, I don't know, I thought she handled the situation very well. Yeah, I agree. Everything that that was said. Absolutely. This is how I feel about Sonny right now. Delete! 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 Pretty much says it all. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the Raw and SmackDown review. Here we go. takeaways from this week's Raw heading into SummerSlam? Uh, Considering that it was a really, really good main event and I enjoyed the match, I'm still trying to figure out why they did a full match between Rusev and Roman Reigns a couple days before SummerSlam. Getting past that, I thought the show was enjoyable. Um, You know, Finn Balor's Demon debut, it was a little more straightforward than I expected, but I think it was enough where people are going to tune in to see what happens with that match. Um, overall, I thought it was a pretty good go-home show. Man, uh, I I respect you, man. I uh, <laughs> I do. I do. 
because I I don't. I think it was terrible. And I don't know. I, I think my expectancy comes from the fact that you have a creative staff. You have people who I'm sure get gets paid pretty decent money. You you understand the pulse of the crowd. You look at ratings, and you know, and it, and it's crap to me that you know when people say ratings doesn't matter. Of course it matters. The television stations look at ratings for for shows to stay on their programming. I mean, if ratings didn't matter, WWE wouldn't be on USA. Period. I mean, they need that cable outlet to still bring people in to the network. They need that. The, the the advertising and, and they need the, those marketing avenues to make people familiar with their product. Otherwise, they just wouldn't be on cable. And so, saying ratings matter is crap, and it, it doesn't make any sense at all from a business standpoint to make, you know, to make that that statement. With that being said, you know, I understand that people, you know, there, there there's the network, there's there's other ambassador things, and you know that the WWE is is, is getting money from and, and and financial gain from, but you can't lose the essence of the creative process when it comes to the professional wrestling, and I, and I have a raw review uh, every Monday night, and I was mentioning this, you know, I've been a fan. I've been a wrestling fan my entire life, and I'm not one of those, you know, ridiculous, uh, hardcore trolls that just makes no sense at all and just want to listen to a reaction. I am a true-to-life, die-hard wrestling fan. So when, when, I, when I think of wrestling, I think of narrative. I think of storyline. I think of plot thinking, thickening. I think I think about the culmination heading into whatever event and Eric Bischoff has said this before. He's he's confirmed this. You know, he he made a bad decision um by having some knee jerk booking with uh you know with the decision as far as like Goldberg and Hogan and things like that. But you know he 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 was talk he has talked about Vern Gagne. I've interviewed Greg Gagne on my show twice. You know, he was a good person. I would say just the storylines, the narratives, the, the 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 building leading up to the big match at that big event, whatever the big event is. And for those who've watched wrestling for twenty five years of their life, twenty you know between twenty twenty five thirty plus years of their life, they know good and well that that's really the the narrative when it comes. That is the essence of wrestling you're building your 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 you have your baby face you have your heel you're the hero and the villain the villain's creating the heat to make the the good guy look good and, and booker t does see he says that all the time that's the, the good the bad guy is supposed to make the good life good guy look good and we don't see that with within storyline development and within Booking and creative with WWE, and it's so frustrating to me. I think a lot of the fans have lowered their standards of what to expect in WWE programming nowadays, and it's sad to me because just just a recap of Raw. You have, as typical, you have you know three to four stretched out, super long, excessive segments to try to cover a three-hour show. And then you have 
the Dudley boys just quickly losing more of a tease of a of a split with them that no one cares about. Sami Zayn being involved in the match just you know for for Sheamus and Cesaro to have a match. Still no Sami Zayn anywhere as far as SummerSlam is concerned. And then you had a, a stretched out promo with Heyman and Lesnar. It went too far. I mean, it just went too long. Uh, the Heath Slater thing was is funny. I, I like what he what he's doing. He's similar to the whole Raw 1000 wrestling the legends. You know that stuff is funny, but it's just Titus O'Neil and Darren Young. You know who really cares about that? They've tried that before and it failed. And here's the two biggest issues for me. I mean, I, I do like Jericho. I think that's a funny name. It's catchy, and I think that they're they're doing very good as as heels right now as a heel tag team. But here's my two biggest things. This is, and this is so frustrating to me. So you're supposed to build for the money match for the money moment. Why give if I if I wasn't an owner if I wasn't a subscriber to the network. You basically gave me what I needed, the the fix that I needed. I don't I don't need the I don't need SummerSlam. I can find out what's going on because I already seen an entire full match that's supposed to be on SummerSlam with a different stipulation, and, and days before. So why would want I want to see the same match again? It's just. I, I don't. I have no idea why they decided to do that. I, when they when they when they when they mentioned that in the beginning of the show, I said I tweeted. I said they're 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 kidding. <laughs> they're they're not going to to do this match, right? And and they did a full match, twenty minute plus match, and I'm like, wow, they they really did this match, and it wasn't a screwy finish. It was a plain old Roman Reigns defeating Rusev at the end of Raw, and it was a horrible way to build up yet another match that's going on days later. The same exact match. There was There's not even a gimmick to the match. If, they, if it would have been a cage match, a Russian chain match, some gimmick to the match, they're doing the exact same match days later. Ridiculous. And you're supposed to build up Finn Balor to be the superstar you're giving him this video packages to build up the paint and you unveil the paint, the alter ego at the top of the 10 o'clock hour on a raw episode. How am I supposed to be intrigued about this build of this guy that I might not know who he is and you're having him come out to his grand entrance, which he saved for big events you have it at a 10 o'clock hour in Raw competing against the Olympics? I think I, I that was my frustration. I think it was a horrible idea to do those things. I, I can agree with some of your points. I mean, I kind of thought the same thing about the main event match. It's like it wasn't as infuriating as if, say, they had the pay-per-view match and then like when they repeated on Raw the next night, I think I get really mad at that, and a lot of other people do. It's like, well, then why'd you make me turn tune in last night if it's going to be the same exact thing straight up? Like, this mm-hmm. was... I feel like they were banking on people being more interested in, oh, well, Roman has the pinfall. Now let's see what happens with the title on the line. And I can see somebody saying that, but at the same time, it's look how badly outside of 
John Cena and to a lesser extent Rusev, you've treated that title for the last several years just like the Mm -hmm. Intercontinental title. And more to your point about Balor, I think I expected a little bit more theatrics and like, I guess almost like Undertaker psych outs where you wouldn't actually see him completely like walk to the ring and have an attack. I thought it was going to be more like a mind game. Mm-hmm. But then when they brought him to the ring and basically did his entire entrance, it's like, okay, well, there goes that big moment. Right. And I think, you know, I think it got some excitement. Like, oh, wow, this guy's, you know, like I had a couple of friends text me like, yeah, I like, you know, like I like the demon guy. Like I like his makeup and it's like, all right, cool. But then, you know, it doesn't have that same effect on Sunday. But as far as last night, I think, you know, it did enough. I just, I think I was caught off guard by those two things. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there definitely were some head scratching moments last night. I will give you that. But... Oh yeah, absolutely. What about SmackDown? I, uh, I would definitely say SmackDown was the better show this week. Um, I don't know if you would agree that it did a better job of just presenting a better overall wrestling show. Um, but I think the way that uh, they set up all the women's division and the SummerSlam match, I thought that was very well done. They keep teasing Eva Marie's in-ring debut. Um, the fact that they keep coming up with different excuses, I think is great. Um, and then Naomi came back. They, you know, like they all have their own little personalities and, I, I just think they're handling it really well considering there's no title involved and Sasha and Charlotte was kind of already set up. The tag team division is, you know, starting to get there. It almost kind of feels like a couple of years ago with the world's greatest tag team and the Guerreros, like, you know, kind of has a similar feel to it where there's a lot of little things to pay attention to in the show instead of, just the main event and just the established guys. And mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Like, I couldn't believe it was over at 10 o'clock. I was like, you know, it just flew by. And and here's the thing. You know, I think that this personally, uh, it's been a month, uh, a month since the split. And I think that this was the best SummerSlam. I think this is the best SmackDown show that they've had since the split. I've been very critical towards SmackDown, too. It's had that B-show feel to it and just kind of lackluster to me. But I actually enjoyed SmackDown uh, this evening or uh, the previous. Uh, I think that Ambrose and Ziggler was, eh. Um, the, the tag team, and like you said, it, it, SmackDown's doing a very uh, a much better job than Raw as far as character development and having the opportunity to really build stars. I really was a, a proponent of the, the the tag team, you know, twelve man match. Um, I think that that was a great idea. Uh, I think it does a really good job showcasing the the talent. Uh, I think I really, really, really liked the prepackaging of Naomi. I think that that was fantastic. I, I the the bad part of that is I don't think that they're going to do much with her. Uh, I think that. Uh, before the whole Oksana thing, when she got knee to the face, um, you know, there were some reports that they were really, 
you know, banking on her, and she was proving herself to be a, a woman's, or well, at that time, Divas champion, and they were heading that way, and then she got injured. Um, I think that they have the ability to do that now. I mean, her entrance is great. Her entrance is energetic. You know, she came, she came back. Uh, you know, for a long time she was, you know, team bad, and she was one of the biggest heels for for a little bit. And you know, it was a change. It was a change, changing of the guard. She came back as a babyface, and no one, you know, mentioned anything about it about team bad. People were cheering her after that entrance, and and she was throwing the glow sticks around and. Um, the glow rings, rather glow rings, glow, glow sticks. She just had a bunch of glow, and I think that the the the, the EDM style, you know, entrance was awesome. I think it was great. The whole the the the, the garb, the glowy, you know, wardrobe. I think that was a fantastic idea. Eva Marie, it's funny. Uh, you know, I'm still not a fan of her in ring work. Uh, stemming from the previous, the the most recent, you know, NXT uh, bout that she was in, still not a big fan of that. Um, so you know, I really uh, seen in, in Del Rio was a good match, it was a solid match, and I like the, the the what they're doing with him him and AJ at the at the concluded it. So I, I was I was a big, uh, I think SmackDown was good. I, I was uh, very impressed this week. Yeah, I really and really enjoyed her entrance. The match, you know, there was several good matches, um, and I'd, I'd probably agree tonight was the best show so far, outside of maybe the draft if you want to count that one. Yep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, flavor of the week coming up. It is now time for the flavor of the week. Two minutes. Uh, we're going to conclude. Uh, the favorite match series that I've been doing the past few weeks uh, of favorite SummerSlam matches. And this week I'm going to do it with uh, Bill uh, between 2011 and 2015. So let's start off with your favorite match at SummerSlam 2011. I'm going to have to go, let's see, probably Randy Orton versus Christian. I agree. I don't think that was... I think it was. A I really match. enjoyed that feud. Yep, I agree. I, I didn't like the the constant switching because I really want Christian. I really wanted Christian to have a solid match, a solid uh, a title run. Uh, but I agree with you. Uh, 2012. Uh, I'm gonna go with Brock and Triple H, hmm. even though some yeah, people might okay. not agree. Yeah. I don't think too many people enjoyed the feud at all, but I liked the first match out of, you know, out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the match and the ending. Uh, I'm gonna go. I, I went with Jericho Ziggler um, because Jericho just wasn't really uh, doing much of. Uh, he it wasn't his one of his best runs, um, and he had an opportunity to to beat Ziggler. Uh, at a big stage, I, I think that he it was like a loser leaves Raw match after that, like on the Raw after that, and he left uh, for his next stint out. But uh, that was I got to enjoy uh, Jericho beating Ziggler. Uh, 2013, uh, definitely uh, Daniel Bryan versus John Cena. Hmm. 
before the match itself and what came after. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was Lesnar punk for me. Um, I'm not, a, I'm not a CM Punk fan by uh, any stretch. Uh, not too big on Lesnar either. Uh, these days, as far as the past few years, uh, but I think that that build, and I think that the match was very solid match. I think it was great. I I think that Daniel Bryan and Cena was a very very close second, and the aftermath was awesome too. I totally agree with that. Um, but I think that Lesnar Punk gets the edge because I, I think that that was a a, a fantastic match. Two thousand fourteen, Lesnar Cena with a. Honorable mention to Stephanie and Brie. I have to Hmm. throw that out there. I thought if you're talking about story, uh, Stephanie and Brie was really, really probably the best built match, I would say, on that entire card. Hmm. But as far as just pure enjoyment, Lesnar and Cena, like, you know, I just loved it for what it was. It was a beatdown, and, you know, it was shocking at the time because – it was the main event match and at such a big show. I just, I thought that was, that was it for me that year. Yeah, I agree. Lesnar Cena for sure. <laughs> that, that was a, just a, a massacre <laughs> as far as that match is concerned. Very, um, very surprised to see that from Cena. It was a very humbling match for Cena. It was Lesnar's year because he broke the streak that year too. And in yeah. 2015, uh, I'm, yeah, Rollins Cena. Yeah, I agree. Rollins Cena. I, th- I think it's too. just you know out whether you like the John Stewart involvement or not. I just think the way they built it up, the two titles on the line, and I, I think that was. I'm surprised where it was placed on the card, but mm. that was my favorite match. I agree. Uh, I'm a go. I'm going with Rollins Cena as well. I think that was a fantastic match. Um, one of the best matches I saw in 2015 for sure. And just like you said, the stipulation was the double title, and it was great. I think it was a very, very good match. All right, let's get uh, let's finish it out with the SummerSlam. Actually, let's go to uh, NXT uh, the, the the Takeover. Um, are you planning on watching uh, NXT TakeOver this weekend? Yeah, I'll tune into it. Okay. Um, so, really, I think, you know, Nakamura Joe is really what I'm looking forward to, but I'm sure there's going to be another match that's going to surprise a lot of people. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to the uh, let's get to the predictions for uh, Brooklyn then. Uh, let's start with uh, Ember Moon, okay, Ember Moon versus TBA. I, I think that's, uh, I, I think TBA is a, a jobber. <laughs> uh, usually when it says TBA, it's, um, yeah. Ember Smart Moon. Not to pick them. You're right, right. Uh-huh. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, the revival against uh, Gargano and Ciampa for the NXT Tag Champs uh, Championship. Uh, I'm going to say the champs retain. I think Gargano and Ciampa may take this one. Uh, they're they're they've been pretty uh, popular. No way, Jose and Austin Aries. Uh, Jose. I 
I like Jose, um, but I, I think Aries is going to take it. I hope Jose does, but uh, I'm going Aries. Uh, will it be a glorious evening for Bobby Roode? Or will Andre Cien Almas uh, ruin that? Ruin the night? Hmm. I don't see. That's what, that's like really the one on there that I think is the most up in the air. Hmm. Because I I think maybe Almas maybe by like a roll up. Because I know I know. Root has a lot of popularity and, you know, like the glorious bomb. And yeah. I don't know if they want to carry with that, but I'm going to say Almas. I'm going 100% Root on this one, man. I think that uh, his character is uh, fantastic. Oscar and Bailey. Oscar. I, be- I agree. Bailey uh be caught up here soon. All right, Nakamura and Joe. I'm gonna say Joe retains. Um, some way. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go big money Nakamura uh, because that guy is amazing. But it may be a screwy finish. Uh, you, you might be right about that. All right, you got I, a, a couple minutes. Go ahead. Uh, I was laughing. I was just gonna say I'm probably gonna be like, over six. <laughs> yeah, it, I, it hope, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, takeover should be fun. It was fantastic last year. All right, a couple minutes left. Uh, let's go with the uh, Cesaro Sheamus uh, first match of best of seven. Uh, Sheamus. Yep, I agree. Uh, Sheamus, of course, is a SummerSlam. Uh, Enzo and Cass against uh, um, Jericho. I'm going to say Enzo and Cass win. I agree. Uh, the Doctors, Gallows and Anderson against uh, the New Day for the Tag Championship. No, I'm going to say New Day retain. I, I say know. New Day retains, but I think that, uh, you know, I say Big E uh, interferes. So, yeah, that's... Yeah, uh, I don't think yeah. it's going to be straight up, and I don't think it's... I definitely don't think they're going to be done after this month. So, right, exactly. Uh, Rusev and Reigns. Rusev, just because they gave Reigns the pin this week. Exactly. I say Rusev too. Um, may not be clean, but Rusev uh, will will leave uh, the champs there. And they will clean it. And they'll probably infuriate all of us and. Do the same match on Monday again for the title. Oh, almost, <laughs> al- almost confirmed. <laughs> it's almost confirmed. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Cena Styles. Cena. Yep, I agree. Cena as well. Miz and Apollo Cruz for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, I think Miz. Yeah, I think they I might agree. keep going with the never-ending. I, I really think they have something here with him, especially with Maurice coming back. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I think they might run with it a little bit. I like Cruz a lot, but uh, he just he's he's just so bland. I mean, they're not doing anything with him from a character standpoint, and it's really unfortunate. Sasha Banks yeah, and Charlotte I, for the go ahead. 
uh, I enjoy him. Like, I'm a fan, but at the same time, it's like, you know, with Miz, they, you know, people are like, oh, I hate him, even though he's a heel. Like, yeah, he's a heel. You're supposed to hate him. But I really think they found, like, a nice balance with him right now where just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, as long as it works, I think, you know, they'll have time to build crews in the future. Exactly. Sasha Banks in Charlotte. Sasha. Yeah, Sasha. Ambrose Ziggler. Uh, I'm going to say Ambrose retains. Yep, I agree. Finn Balor and Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. Seth Rollins. I think. I agree. I agree. Rollins. Jason might give him more out of it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And then finally, Lesnar and Randy Orton. I'm going to say Lesnar. My pick is Brock Lesnar. All right, Bill, been a pleasure. Where can we find you? Uh, I am on WrestleZone.com. If you want to check me out on Twitter, I also do graphic design. Um, I post a lot of my stuff there. It's bpritchard152 on Twitter. Um, I'm usually on the WrestleZone accounts, too, so... Hit me up there. Um, I'm usually talking wrestling or random nonsense. Um, <laughs> Raw, SmackDown. I'll probably be around. You know, I'll be around this weekend. So, awesome, fantastic. Thanks for uh, being the guest co-host on the show uh, this evening, and it's been a pleasure uh, talking wrestling with you. Thanks for having me on. This was really fun. Awesome. Have a good night. All right, you too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books, episode 229. Fantastic host, a fantastic guest co-host, and fantastic interview. Thank you so much, Doug Basham. He actually texted me after the interview. He was very appreciative of the interview. I was equally as appreciative. I really, really enjoy uh, those conversations, and uh, I'm very happy that he's doing very well with his life. I wish him all the best. Thanks for uh, thanks uh, for Bill Pritchard for being the uh, guest co-host from WrestleZone.com. Ladies and gentlemen, SummerSlam is this weekend. Enjoy. Takeover Brooklyn's this weekend. Enjoy. Until next week, enjoy your week of wrestling. God bless. I'll be on Facebook Live, Raw Review, Crave Wrestling, and follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter. God bless you all. Good night. Bye-bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.